This is Herded Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. You'll get the insight and latest information on North Dakota State football. From the tailgate lot to the football field, our countdown is on. Here's your host of Heard It Here, Josh Swanson. Bison Nation, it is good to be back with you. We are one week from kickoff is North Dakota State, the consensus-ranked number one team in the college football world. Kicks off its 2022 season. Going for that 10th FCS title against Drake. And I'm glad to be with you once again. Season 5 of Heard It Here with Swanee. Made possible by a new sponsor. Brought a little bit of Frisco back to Fargo. And if you're by the West Acres Mall, check out our friends at Twin Peaks. Your local sports lodge. Come in for made-from-scratch food. Signature 29 draft beers and all the scenic views. And, of course, longtime friends, Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors in Wapaton. We got a full slate this morning for you, courtesy the Dean, the legendary, iconic Jeff Kolpak, who covers the Bison more in-depth than anybody from C2, Shining C, from Forum Communications and W. D-A-Y, Jeff is going to join us here in about 10 minutes for the duration of the hour, and we are going to unpack the expectations for the Bison. Receiving nearly everyone, I think 24 or 25 first place votes in the Hero FCS poll. Some joker voted for South Dakota State. I don't know how how Matt Zimmer from the Argus leader down in Sioux Falls, that was probably his vote. We've had him on many times. Good dude. And uh, Stats FCS, I think the Bison got something like 42 out of 45. But a very, very heavy favorite. And as we talk to Mr. Kolpak later this morning, you will see why. It's because the Bison are absolutely loaded. This might very well be Bison Nation, friends, family, casual listener, wondering what you stumbled onto this Late Saturday in August, the Bison might be the deepest they've ever been across the board in their FCS history. Think about that for a minute. A team that has won nine FCS titles. A team that has taken down FBS big weights like Iowa in Kansas State. A team that is sending its players to the NFL on a yearly basis in high rounds. Connor Volson, the pride of McHenry County, North Dakota. He's going to be starting at left guard this year for the Cincinnati Bengals as a rookie. One of the Rams, baby. Getting it done. Trey Lance, of course, starting for the San Francisco 49ers. Carson Wentz uh, is on his... um, most recent stop on his journey with Washington. And down the board, you can go with Pro Bison. I'm not I'm not joking yet. This isn't just Swanee, Homer, hyperbole, blowing smoke. Pull up the roster on GoBison.com. Take a look at the game day 
program. This NDSU team returns nine of its top ten offensive linemen, the only one missing Volson playing for the Bengals. As we'll talk about with uh, Mr. Kolpak, I think, uh, I'll put it this way, guys. There's, there's five teams in the Missouri Valley rated in the top 25 heading in to this fall. Four of those, four of those five ranked in the top 10. You could take any of NDSU's top nine or 10 offensive linemen, and they would start anywhere else in the FCS. The running back room, are you kidding me? Look at all the weapons. You've got FCS title game MVP, Hunter Love, Key Bull, Dozen, Rockin', and rolling three big touchdowns against Montana State. He is an unstoppable machine. And you got Tameric Williams and Kobe Johnson and Jalen Bussey stacking the running back room. You got three dudes and Noah Gindorf coming back for year six at tight end. Hunter Lupke and Cody Mock, who are on the watch list for the Reese's Senior Bowl, the most prestigious all-star game in college football. Most FBS schools are lucky to have a guy, to have one dude making the Reese's Senior Bowl watch list in North Dakota State has three, six preseason FCS All-Americans those three senior bowl watch listers along with Michael Tutsi, Nash Jensen, and Eli Mostart. This team is absolutely loaded. And when we talked this morning with, with Jeff Kolpak from Form Communications, I, I hate phrasing it as because it's it's one of those college football cliches. And you try to avoid cliches, but they're cliches for a reason. What are the question marks? This team on paper heading into the season, I don't think there are any question marks. And you could say, Swan, well, we, we, need, we need some linebackers. I think we are loaded at the linebacker position. You might say, Swan, we, uh, we need to replace some dudes on the defensive line. I think we're as deep as we've ever been there, and we've got some dudes on the defensive line. In the secondary, NDSU probably has the best defensive backfield in the FCS with all those dudes returning and Tutsi and Kayser and Talbert, except Dom Jones. Dom Jones is a dude in safety who's going to get a lot of snaps and has played a lot of snaps the last few years. He would start probably anywhere else in the FCS. At North Dakota State, again, a lot of snaps, maybe not a starter, but a guy that's incredibly valuable to that defensive backfield. And at the quarterback position, Cam Miller, this offseason was his first offseason as the guy. Quincy Patterson went to Temple. He's not going to start there. The transfer portal is not always greener. But you have Cam Miller coming into it. You've got Cole Payton from Omaha. Jeff, I'm going to ask Jeff about that, what he thinks about that dichotomy and that breakdown between QB1 and the four-star, three-star dude out of Omaha and Payton. When you see that guy up close, friends, Cole Payton, like 6'3", 230, he looks like an NFL quarterback, and he can he can zip it. He can fling that pigskin like Johnny Moxon. Cam Miller, coming off a national championship for the Herd, having all offseason to be the guy 
working with the number one receivers and all that other stuff. We saw his game start to progress as the herd went through the regular season and into the playoffs. And he, he wasn't a guy in this Bison offense. No Bison quarterback is asked to throw the ball 30 times for 300 yards. That's not how this team has won championships. If you can be that 12 of 15 for a buck 85 and two scores, NDSU is going to win every game and going to win every game by probably 20 points. But I think Cam Miller, I, I don't even, how, how do you say something is stupid as I think Cam Miller is poised for a breakout year when I'm telling you, I think Cam Miller is poised for a breakout year. I said it on these airwaves last fall and into the playoffs. I think as the season wore on, Cam Miller was one of the premier quarterbacks in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And I know everybody wants to talk about that dude from Missouri State. I don't get it. I think he's overrated. No offense to to you, Missouri State quarterback, dude. I watched you in the playoffs. I watched you up here. I watched you in a bunch of games. I, I don't know what the fatuation is with that guy. South Dakota State, Kronowski, their quarterback coming back, he's a baller. They're right below North Dakota State. This could be the year, Bison Nation, that the herd plays the Jackrabbits in Frisco. And I'm going to ask Jeff about that. Are these two destined to be on a collision course where the battle for the Dakota marker finally happens in Frisco, Texas on a Sunday in January. Is that going to happen? It might, but I don't think Cam Miller gets the credit that he deserves because he made some big-time throws in the playoffs, whether it was early in that Montana State title game, a big third down and eight, third and nine. He found Watson on kind of a little hitch route on the sideline, moved those chains first down. He had the big, I think, touchdown pass to to Babbage in that game. And then in the James Madison game, those passes to Lepke, those were the chef's kiss money. So I'm expecting big things out of Cam Miller this year. And I I hate to say breakout season. How do you say it's a breakout season from a guy who came in week seven or eight last year, went on to lead the herd to to what, a seven and one record to beat James Madison in the semifinals at the Fargo Dome, where he outdueled their stud quarterback, who had zero picks that game, Cam Miller, who had two interceptions that game, James Madison's fifth-year senior quarterback, who went into the FCS title game and was the best quarterback in that game, Cam Miller. So we got a full show this morning. Jeff Kolpak, after the break, is going to be joining us. want to thank Josh Linus for keeping the trains on the tracks, running the boards on Heard It here this morning, and of course, thank our show sponsors for making season number five possible. Uh, Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for the mad. That's why you go, right? The made from scratch food, signature 29 draft beers, and all the scenic views. And Peterman Seeds, a Holly, and Smith Motors in Wapaton. There's a full, well, not quite a full slate. Week zero college football, some games at 11:30 kickoff, Nebraska. Playing Northwestern over in Ireland, a couple FCS games on the docket, but really none of note. Stay tuned for more. Heard it here with Swanee coming up on 7.40 a.m. The Fan. You got it locked and loaded on Heard it here with Swanee on 7.40 a.m. The Fan. Bison football opener next Saturday at the Fargo Dome against Drake, want to thank Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors in Wapaton and Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for made-from-scratch food, signature 29 draft beers, and all the scenic views. Big year for the Bison. 
high expectations. Is there a team that can touch him? Is Cole Payton going to get any snaps at quarterback? Who will emerge as the alpha A1 wide receiver to answer those questions and so much more? We brought in the guy that covers the herd in more detail than anyone else in this market, Jeff Kolpak from Form Communications. Jeff, thanks for jumping on. Well, I suppose I don't know is not going to suffice as an answer. Yeah, I, we, need, we, we need the breakdown. I don't know. Second or third series, Cole Payton, you think he's going to get any – well, well he's going to get sna- – yeah, he'll get snaps because that, that should be, a, a, a frankly, a blowout. No disrespect to Drake. I think they're going to bring him on probably a little more slow than people would like. I don't think they're going to dive into the Quincy – dual thing that he had going with uh, with Cam Miller last year and especially toward in the playoffs. I don't think you're going to see it to that extent, but I think you'll, they'll, they'll dip their toe in the water with that as the season progresses and, and see how it goes. I don't think you're going to see you know, the package, as they, they like to call it, the package that they had with Quincy last year. I don't think you're going to see that. Some interesting news on the Quincy Patterson front. Uh, earlier in the week, Temple announced that he will not be their starting quarterback. I didn't think he would be because yeah. they have their starter back. Yeah, so he's, you know, sometimes the the pastor and pastors aren't always greener there, and he would have had a big role in the Bison offense this year. The playoffs, we saw it in the playoffs, the way they deployed him against James Madison and against Montana State in the championship. And, you know, you don't want to tell a kid you're, you can't live your dream, you're not going to be an NFL quarterback, but he's quite clearly not an NFL quarterback. So, I, you know, you kind of scratch your head at that one. Hey, look, and I said this last year too when he transferred, that sometimes you are who you are. And I think if he transferred to Temple because he was thinking he's an NFL quarterback, well, he's not. He's not an NFL thrower. He struggled with the mid-range stuff. He struggled even with the flare pass. He was good at the deep ball, but he and a great runner. And, and sometimes you are who you are, and that's who he was, was that type of a package quarterback. And moving to Temple, I, I, I looked at their roster, and they brought their guy back. And I think he thought he could beat him out, obviously, and that's why you go there. But he's going to go, he's going to be carrying a clipboard. He's not even going to get in the package, right? Yeah, that, They're not going to have a run package for him, probably. And that's that's one of those things in, in today's age with the transfer portal for every, you know, Jabril Cox, he goes to LSU and it works out and he's a great player, but he's not drafted till what, the third or fourth round by the Cowboys. And, and you know, we've had some other buys in Josh Hayes and Jasir. Josh Hayes is going to start at Kansas State. They moved him to safety. Which is great for, yep. for him and his family. He got lucky. Yeah, that, got lucky. That's, that doesn't happen. What's more common is the guy like Quincy Patterson who transfers to Temple and then he's going to be carrying a clipboard when he could have been playing again for the you know number one national championship contender in the FCS. And Zier Cox transferred to a place, West Virginia, correct, where they have their linebackers back. I don't know if he's going to supplant who's ever going against as a starter. He'll probably play because you're a linebacker. You can rotate some guys in. But he wanted to move because he wanted to play safety, more of a safety role. But that linebacker spot, where was he at against Montana State? He was always out guarding a wide receiver. Yep. he was a safety. And you see, we see that a lot now with the Bison defense. The last few years, they've got they'll they'll bring in a safety to play linebacker because those teams spread it out. When you got four or five wides, you, you NDSU has that base defense that they like and. That's that's one. It's you know I wish all the the success of the world to those young men, but you, you wonder what kind of conversations are being had in the decision making process when you're leaving. And North Dakota State, it, you know, I, the coaches had his best interests in in heart, or at least within the system, and and they thought differently. So we'll see we'll see how that works out because for every big time transfer that's successful, the more common is the you know unfortunately, well, it is what it is. Quincy Patterson's going to Temple and he's carrying a clipboard. So. Who is going to be, talking about quarterbacks in the passing game, 
Christian Watson getting drafted second round by the Green Bay Packers. Is Phoenix Sproles that guy, or is it a, a guy that we maybe haven't heard a lot about, like the uh, freshman from Mankato, number 86, was it Meek? Makai Collins. Makai Collins. I, I was out of practice last week, and I'll tell you what, he it's the eyeball test, so you just see what's in front of you, and, and he wasn't practicing that particular day, but at 6'4", 210, he looks every bit of the part of a big-time college football receiver. I guess you have to answer the question, Swanee. First of all, is size a big deal in being that guy? Because Christian was, what, 6'4", yep. and was that deep guy. Do you need that size that Jake Winicky proved to NDSU that you know 6'3", 6'4", receivers are pretty hard to, to cover? He did that several years ago. Is uh, Carson Hagerly, he's 6'3", 6'4". Is he going to be the guy? Collins is 6'4". Phoenix Sproles is six foot, but they have a lot of, not, not, but they have a, you know, the Braylon Henderson's guy, 5'9". Raja is 5'9". Uh, they got those guys, those slot guys. Can one of those guys be deep? Is it a size thing? Can you be 5'9 and go deep these days? I don't know. That's a question they'll have to probably figure out. Uh, Braylon's gotten deep a couple times, but that's just been a couple times. And we've seen that, you know, uh, Darius Shepard is a guy that comes to mind as a deep threat. Of course, that he was Holt- six foot, I believe. But yeah, had- and, and R.J. Zandowski, he was you know smaller, six yeah, yeah, six foot six one. So they've got, you know, what strikes me about this Bison wide receiver group because there there really aren't, at least on paper, before we've played a game, the, there aren't a lot of unknowns. Like last year with the quarterback situation, it's going to be Quincy Cam's backing him up. The script gets flipped. Cam comes in. He's the starter, leads the team to a championship. But when, when you look at questions on this roster, they're really outside of you know maybe linebacker and who's going to play there and who's going to emerge as, as the receivers. You know Those are certainly questions, but the Bison have got some athletes that were very highly recruited whose names we might be, might be well, we will be getting familiar with this fall. So you know, the, the receiver stuff is just so, you know, in that offense too with the, the running attack and how they use Hunter Lipke, I'm curious to see if Sproles is a guy because he had, I don't want to call it a breakout season, but he had, I think, 35 oh, He's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay healthy. And we saw against, you know, South Dakota that that little just kind of flare-out pass. He turned on the Jets and sprinted by everybody. So if he can stay healthy, you know, he's a guy that could have a big season for the Bison. Well, 6'6", Zach Mathis, will he be a consistent threat? Is he the, is he the deep threat? Again, that's the number one question, I think, for most people heading into this season is a receiver, you could say, well, linebacker is kind of a question mark. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Wirtz or Nick or, or, or Kubitz, I think, will be in the middle. Uh, you got Kayser back, and, and you got some guys, you know, Ladarczyk's in his fourth year in the program. And and they like him. They like Oscar Benson, um, Sybil Mana kid from Fargo South. They like him. You guys had a nice story about him last week, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's something, too, just the, the local flavor. A lot of local kids, that, and I know, you know, the fan does an excellent job covering it, all the high school prep stuff. A lot of local kids, Carson Hegerly, that's that's a kid. I, I'm thinking he probably gets his redshirt pulled and he's going to see some snaps this year. Well, at least they'll test the four-game rule, oh, I would for think, sure. yeah, with, yeah. with him or Collins. I would think they'll they'll give him a shot. Now, you know, can you pick up the offense? Well, receiver, you can pick it up a lot quicker. What they say, the farther you're away from the ball, the quicker you can pick it up and probably see the field. Uh, is he the guy? I've seen him work with the ones in the in a couple. You don't see practice very much, but I sink a couple peeks in once in a while, and I saw him working with the ones. Yeah, and, and he with his you know athletic ability and his size, if he can pick up the playbook, the playbook and the nuance, and his speed, and his he's speed in track. Yep, and to have that physicality with what what he comes in at, you know, he's listed on the roster as six two one eighty four. You know, the Bison expect a lot out of their wide receivers in the blocking game. He's a guy that at least physically could probably handle that part of it earlier 
in his career than maybe some of the other wide receivers. And I look at it, and it's this this is a little bit. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Well, I suppose I do mean to put you on the spot because I'm on the, spot. the show. So looking at this roster of the the Bison coming back, is this maybe the deepest we've ever seen North Dakota State in in the the Division One history across, across the board, position to position? You know, running back had been an issue depth wise in recent years, and even wide receiver at times. But the Bison. Not only did they return all those guys, they got depth at almost every position. Well, it could be, and part of the reason, of course, is the COVID issue with the extra year of eligibility. You see that in safety with Weber and Tutsi coming back for their six years. So the corners, they're the deepest they've, they've been in the Division One era. Four guys that are pretty pretty good and, and can play any time. Running back, they got everybody back at running back. Offensive line, they got nine of ten, their top ten offensive linemen back. Lost some in the D-line, but they play a lot of guys. So I guess the answer, I just said it right there, probably probably is the deepest team you've seen in the Division I era. And how are, how are they going to use with that depth? I know one of the frustrations, someone said it to me at the office here this week and and with my buddy text, my text groups that I have with buddies that are Bison fans, give the ball to 44. Why isn't 44 running it more? Lipke's got to carry, carry the ball. He has the three touchdowns in the championship game, was out of this world against James Madison, right? I think he had over 100 yards receiving and rushing. I mean, he he got he carried the Bison on his shoulders that game along with the real stout NDSU defense. How do they use Lubke? Because what they've been so smart about in recent years, they don't like giving – there really isn't the guy. We haven't seen it, at least since probably the Kyle Steff as maybe Pat Pashal kind of days, the 20 carries a game back. They they divide it up. They've got – John Crockett had one year. Crockett did, where, yeah, that's right. he carried the load. But they, they, they like to rotate those running backs. And when you're going through a Valley schedule with, you know, Lipke and the injury, you know, he's fully healthy as far as we know, but with the injuries he dealt with last year, I don't imagine through the conference slate they want to put a lot of tread on those tires where it's 20, 25 carries a game and maybe really increase the usage like we saw in the playoffs last year. But how do the Bison handle that with getting touches? Because you got Kobe Johnson, a guy who's had that, you know, 76-yard touchdown in the title game, home run threat. Jalen Bussey is coming back, home run threat. And he's not a guy that's going to get, you know, 10, 15 carries a game. But, boy, when he does touch it, his average yards per carry has got to be way up there. And, of course, Williams is probably the, you know, if there is a quote-unquote bell call outside of maybe the, the Lupke, it's it's Williams. But how do they balance all that? Well, don't sleep on Penu from Cheyenne. Yeah, yeah, He's going to get his carries, too, in his shot. How do you balance it out? Well, they're big on the tread and the tire, as you say. They have they, they wear GPS, and they, they chart their every play, practice, and games. And they're big on not overusing guys. I mean, they held out Noah Gindor for two weeks in practice this month because he, he's a six-year guy. They don't want to put more wear and tear on him than they need. Lipke didn't practice for the first week and a half, I, I bet, because they didn't want to put more wear and tear. If he gets more than two carries against Drake, I'd be shocked. I don't think he's going to get a lot of carries against North Carolina NT unless they somehow need him. Arizona might be different. You, you want to win that game, right? You want that yeah. FBS splash. He might get a lot of use there. But as we saw last year, the, the farther the season went along, I think the more they used him. They used him a lot against UND because they had to. That was the only thing that was working was was Quincy running and then in the fourth Lucky quarter. In the fourth Lucky. quarter, the Hunter Lucky show. But uh, you're not going to see him doing 13, 15 carries a game. No way. That's not the way they operate anymore. They're they're big on the on limiting the the wear and tear of a player, and I think that's part of planning. That's why you see a team that's pretty strong in December, and in, and why are they nine and zero in FCS title games? Because they're usually pretty fresh and strong. 
and they've certainly been uh, stronger in the trenches in every title game than their opponent. You know, it's so interesting, too, as we see that the Bison, they, they talk about peaking at the right time, and they've done that. I mean, that's how you win all these FCS titles. It's an interesting comparison to take a look at a South Dakota State, for example, because they kind of do the opposite. They they have these really – and they've done well in the playoffs. They, they've never won a championship. They got to the title game in that wonky spring season. But it seems year after year, as the playoffs move on, they're pretty beat up. You know, whether it's the, the running back issue with Strong last year with him getting dinged up, and, and they, they've got good players. But the, the kind of the flip side of that is you see a team like South Dakota State, and, and a lot of teams the Bison have played in the playoffs by the time they get to that quarterfinal, semifinal round. South, South Dakota last year, late in the year. They were beat up, beat and, up. and useless. And after, that was right after coming off the heels of their Hail, Hail Mary win against SDSU in the Dakota Dome. So NDSU's been very, very deliberate about that, knowing that, all right, yeah, our fans want Lepke to touch it 25 times. The fans, us in the stands, guys like me, no matter how much we're, we're crying and complaining, if they'd listened to us, they would be getting to Frisco. So those guys know what they're doing. It's just interesting to watch that kind of master plan. They, really, I mean, they say week to week, and, you know, they're certainly – Yeah, I want to go 1-0 and this week. Want to go 1-0 and this week. That's the big cliche. But However – they are planning for the long term because they want to make sure come December they're fresh and they got guys ready to go chase a championship. Yeah, they've ma- they've mastered it. Obviously, when you go nine and zero in title games, you you figured out how to do it. And Jim Cramer, don't forget, I think he has a lot to do with that too. I think he knows how to plan a break. Historically, they've been really good off off weeks, and um, I, I just think it's all part of it. I mean, it's all it, it, that tread thing. You can't sleep on that factor. They're not going to. They're not going to run. If somebody gets more than eight carries against Drake, I'd be I'd be surprised. I just don't think they're going to take one guy and and use him twelve times against Drake. No, especially with you know when you got that Arizona game coming up and and uh, not no not not say shot at Drake because I think if well, it was Butler who beat Youngstown a few years ago, not Drake. You don't want to overlook an opponent, but but a Drake isn't the same thing as opening the year against an Eastern Washington. Charleston Southern and Iowa or, or a Montana. Yeah, they'll, they'll never do 2016 again. That was brutal. That yep. was, I mean, they asked Chris Kleiman about that. That that non-conference schedule it cost them. It, it did at the semifinal game against James Madison. They, I, I remember the kind of the the behind the scenes stuff, and the coaches aren't going to come out and complain. But it, they were held together by duct tape and band aids during that. By the time they got to the semifinals, just the wear and tear you take in the valley, then you throw on just three brutal non-conference games, and I think that's why we see a lot of the non-conference schedules like we see now. You know, Drake on the third, the North Carolina A and T before you know the first FBS game in what six years here down at Arizona on September seventeenth. I think Kleiman has told me that in the past that he thought his old line in sixteen peaked out at Iowa. He thought that was their peak, and instead of building up and up, they just sort of played okay after that. I mean, well enough, obviously, to make make the semis. But they they've never they never reached that that Iowa like performance the rest of the season. Especially I remember that second half they'd rushed NDSU outrushed Iowa. Iowa at Kinnick, a program known for its offensive linemen, outrushed them something like two hundred and thirty nine yards to thirty four yards or maybe even some negative yardage there. So it's you know, the offensive line, we'll talk about that. We'll take a break here. We got Jeff Colpack from Forum Communications talking about NDSU in the season that kicks off next week when we come back on Herd It Here with Swanee. We'll talk some about that Bison offensive line. We're back on Herd It Here with Swanee, brought to you by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge coming from made from scratch food signature 29 draft beers do not try to drink them all at the same time and all the scenic views and of course peterman seeds of holly and smith 
Motors in Wapaton, Jeff Kolpak from Foreign Communications with us here this morning on the fifth season of already five years of Heard it here. You think they would have canned me, canned me by now? Going tired, tired of my uh, middle of the road, very low key buys and shtick, Jeff. Well, I want to say it's my pleasure to be on the second best st- uh, show in the station here. Got the, got your golf show. I think everybody Saturday else mornings. is tied for second. Yeah, well, I'm I'm far far down the list. Second is being very very generous. You know, talking before the break, buys an offensive line, just all that depth, and you you have guys quite literally that are that are you know I, I say in air quotes backups, and they'll rotate some guys in and out. But you've got a lot of the buys and number twos that probably would start at any other school in the Missouri Valley. I mean, South Dakota State's been been really good on the offensive line in recent years. Maybe outside of them, you could plug in almost any backup in NDSU's top 10, and they'd be a starter for – and that's saying something. When you take a look at the top 25, it's got how many Valley teams? Northern Iowa. It's got Missouri State, Southern Illinois, Southern Illinois Missouri State, and NDSU and SDSU. That's four teams from your conference in the top 10 preseason – and northern that's that's not even mentioning northern Iowa who's usually a pretty well up and down but they're usually they're a good football team the fact that many of NDSU's backups could go start for one of those programs just says says a lot about the depth on that position group Westberg or Sundell who do you play at center if you put Westberg there do you put Sundell at a, at a guard or even a tackle i don't know they've been experimenting i know with different positions Gray Zabel would start probably most places obviously um you know, um, Cody Malk's an NFL guy. I think. Uh, I think um, senior Senior Bowl uh, announced they've got eyes on him yeah. already. They already came on. Jim Jim Nagy and his group came out and said that Nash Jensen. I think is going to get an NFL look as a as a road grading type of offensive guard. Uh, Jake Kubis is pretty solid. Obviously, he's starting. So you, you got all those guys back, and then. But here's the thing: they they don't really rotate old linemen like defensive linemen. They haven't in the past. Do they? Go to a more of that look, or do they like the continuity of a line coming, you know, snap after snap after snap? And uh, you know, I guess if they rotated quarterbacks, we never saw that coming. You, yeah. Can you imagine Craig Bowl rotating quarterbacks? No, absolutely. I mean, well, I, that, I I remember the scuttle when uh, he told, wouldn't even take the guys out in the fourth quarter when they're way up. Yeah, I, well, I remember games. You know, was it that Northern Colorado game? Stelz had like three, four, or five picks, and finally they put in Steve Walker at the very, very tail end. But to get, uh, I remember you and, and probably Mike McFeely both asking at press conferences, and and Coach Pole would get annoyed because he wasn't a guy that was park gonna, that. Yep, park yep, that. Will of the game. Jeff. Yeah. So this this year, and they, and you know, I, I think part of it is this coaching staff has has shown an ability to adapt. Where throughout the year, if they have to make changes, they do, and they did that. I mean, that the season was riding on that decision when they took out Quincy Patterson and put in Cam Miller. Not to take away anything. From Quincy, but the Bison offense was so one-dimensional. You probably lose the Missouri State game if you keep them in there. You don't get home field. But I think what also happens is, yeah, you might get through the rest of the season. You know, you, you drop the one in Brookings to South Dakota State, you're still in the playoffs. But by that point, you're not going to bring in a guy like Cam Miller. And even if you do, he's not going to be able to progress in the offense like he did, you know, as, as the Bison got on in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, UND figured it out. They figured out that Quincy was limited in some throws he could make. And, and they they they... they, they skewed their defensive plan accordingly bison scored one touchdown jake reinholtz won that game with three field three, goals yep. in hostile territory oh and then bubba's decision on fourth and one from yeah but even there then just you had to settle for a field goal on that drive they got it you know first and ten at und's you know inside the red zone and they couldn't put up a touchdown 
Missouri State obviously figured out Quincy. So the, as the season goes along, you have this tape, and, and they figured it out that, okay, he, can, he doesn't do these throws very well, and then you uh, put your game plan accordingly. Uh, Cam Miller, what a difference. He came in and, and was able to do those medium throws and, and flares, and, and the offense just was like the playbook just – you know the sea opened up for the playbook. Well, the stuff in the game, the the semifinal game against James Madison, the the stuff to to Lepke leaking out of the backfield for those touchdowns, including in the fourth quarter when NDSU, you know, they get up thirteen zero, whatever it was, and James Madison storms back, takes the lead, and they had that big touchdown pass to Lepke early in the fourth. I don't think that Quint, you know, again, not to, Quincy Patterson is who he was, and he was great at running the football. He doesn't make that throw. No, nope. And I'll give you the one the national title game. The first series, Bison faced third and 11, I think it was, and Miller hit Watson on a sideline pass for 12 yards and a first down. That was just an absolute zip of a throw and right on the money. Quincy doesn't make that play. No. He does He does not make that 12-yard that throw as accurately, certainly, as what Cam did. And it's exciting to think about, you know, Cam Miller, he, he hasn't gotten the publicity as, as, a, as a Brock Jensen, a Carson Wentz, Easton State, Trey Lance. Talk, talk about the pedigree there, you know, Three of the guys you're following are playing in the NFL right now. One of them, Brock Jensen, is you know arguably, depending on who you ask, the greatest. If you had to pick one quarterback to start a game in Bison football history, Jensen's going to be number one on a lot of guys' lists, the drive at Kansas State. That's who you're coming after now. And for Cam Miller to do that as a sophomore, and I think this this year, he's well, he's a junior, but to, to now the reins are his. And he knew all offseason, I think you guys had a story on that, that he was going to be the guy. So I'm, I'm. What's your take on Cam and expectations for him this fall? Well, much higher. And you talk to the coaching staff; they like to see more leadership out of him. And I think that's what they're seeing this month in training camp. I thought Cam Miller in the playoffs was absolutely fantastic. I thought he was really good. Just made some great decisions, made some great throws, made some clutch throws, third down throws. You know, and that's what. Brock Jensen was so good at those third down plays, especially his last two years. Stick was phenomenal. And Carson had well, only had a year and a half, really, so didn't get the whole shebang with Carson. But uh, that's what those guys were really good at was those third down, those key plays, those winning plays. Yeah, and you, you look at Cam's stats from the championship game, 9-13 for a buck 26 and it's score. And when and he the, had one pick in the playoffs, maybe? One, see, against uh, – I. you know what? He didn't have one in the title game. I don't think he had one against James Madison. He might have thrown one in that Eastern Tennessee State game. If he had one, uh, James Madison, he had the two touchdowns, no picks, and then Eastern Tennessee State, then, uh, boy, maybe he had one again. Well, I don't remember. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He was really matter. good he was, he was really, really good. And when the Bison, the Bison quarterbacks, it was so interesting. Last year's offense put up over 30 points a game. I think they were close to 35 points per game. But it doesn't feel when you're not throwing the ball 40 times and you've got this, you know, high flying passing offense. I think sometimes fans, myself included, forget how good the Bison offense has been. And when an NDSU quarterback is going, you know, the nine to thirteens, the ten to thirteens for a buck twenty six and a score, the Bison are probably ten and zero in that those games because you're probably moving the chain on third down. You might have a big home run ball, but your running game is clicking, and that's been the formula. You, you got to remember, and people forget, Christian Watson did not play in the playoffs until the title game. He missed three games, right? I think, yep. yeah, he missed three games. He got hurt in that South Dakota game, the last okay. regular season game. Yeah, and, yep. and they were and they were pretty good without him. They they were you know you could say oh they didn't have the deep threat they don't have the deep threat right now. Well, they they, they figured it out in in the playoffs. Granted, it was it was East Tennessee, but you know Southern Illinois came in. They were pretty good. Obviously, they had good defense. The Bison moved the ball on them. So uh, 
you know, I, I'm not as alarmed as everybody is. A lot of people are about losing Christian Watson and the deep threat because they proved without him that they could move the ball last year. That was when it counted, win or go home. And and against a really good James Madison team. And to your point, Southern Illinois, I remember going into the playoffs, a lot of buys and fans. I think part of it is they don't like seeing conference teams, especially early in the playoffs. But the way the Bison ran the ball that game, and against East Tennessee State, they were really good in the Dome. Physically up front, I thought they were really, really good. Now the final score was 27-7 to or whatever it was, but it took a couple late touchdowns to ice 27-3 to to ice that game away. But when you've got an offense, everyone knows you're going to run like that, to have that dimension. And, and Phoenix Sproles, he's a guy when he's healthy. We saw it with that kind of fake reverse thing against James Madison in the title game for a touchdown. We saw it with that kind of more of a long handoff that pass against South Dakota, he's a guy that I would suspect we're going to see some of that, you know, jet sweep stuff we've seen going all the way back to the Ryan Smiths and and now with Christian having done it last year. Phoenix is a guy who who will probably get a couple touches in that capacity, I would think. Keep an eye on this guy, Eli Green. He's a redshirt freshman from Rosemount. He's like 5'11", 200, something like that. Again, another slot-looking guy. But, man, that guy can move. He's got he's got those Ryan Smith quickness, the, the, the quicks, I should say. That uh, I, I, he's he's gonna be tough not to get the ball to. Whether it's a jet sweep, little dunks, passes over the middle, you know, um, keep an eye on that dude. And then the the what's interesting is you know Lupke for being a tank like he is, and he's he's deceptively fast. I mean he's fast. We we've oh, seen he, him. He's got great movement too. Good hips. I mean he just he just makes that perfect cut all the time. For a guy that big who is such a headache in the run game, we've seen the Bison use him in that passing game. And you have to have that responsibility where they line him up at oh, running tight back. End. Tight end, running back, fullback, that H position. And they can do that, move him around to create some mismatches. And he's a guy you can take out of – have him running around out of the backfield if you if you fall asleep doing it. you know. And he's a home run hitter in that respect. So the Bison, the Bison offensively, they've got a lot of weapons on that offense. They do, and again, is there enough footballs to go around? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're a selfish player, you don't last very long in this program. I just don't think you do. That's not it's, – it's a player. They'll say it's a player-driven program. I'm starting to sound like a coach now. You've been, you've been around too long. You're oh, picking up God. on the bowlisms oh, and the climbingisms. And... Slap me on the head, will you? <laughs> Whale of a game. Yeah. Um, so they got, they, got, they, they got guys now. We'll see how they use them, I guess, is, is what I was trying to get at. Ten minutes to say that one line. What's so wild on the defensive side of the ball, let's spend a few minutes on that, it, it, it didn't seem like they had the best. I, I think it was, and I think you had an article about this, or, or maybe Mike touched on it. Last year was the best scoring defense that NDSU's had, I think, in their Division One history. Correct. And I, and I don't know why the Bison defense was so, so good, only giving up three points to Eastern Tennessee. I think they gave up seven to, to Southern Illinois. Montana State was at 14. I mean, they shut down some really – and, of course, James Madison put up the uh, um, 14, only 14 points. Mm-hmm. James Madison, whose offense was – you know, that was a, a big discussion going into the semifinal, that James Madison offense against that NDSU defense, and the Bison defense won the battle. This defense is absolutely loaded for bear. You talked about the back end with the corners and the safeties. They got some dudes at linebacker and up front. This this Bison defense should be outstanding this fall. I think it starts up front, obviously, and and defensive linemen are the hardest is the hardest position to recruit in the FCS. It, it is it's to find guys that are big and can move. You know those guys are in demand at the FBS level. Yeah. So finding good quality defensive linemen that's tough for FCS schools to recruit those kinds of guys. Now Eli. Uh, Mostart, right? I mean, I think he's an All-American player if he played every down. 
he might see more time now, but he and his brother inside, that's uh, and then you got Javier Derrick coming back inside. Those guys are are two eighty plus and can move. You look at uh, on the outside, they're going to miss Braden Thomas, but you got Spencer Wagey coming back. You got Tony Pierce as a senior. Um, Roquez is a guy that they've been. Shaka Rokes. Rokes. Rokes is a guy they've been really high on. Has gained some weight, and now he's been around a little bit. And so, you know, you got some guys you can, you can, and and don't forget, you got Nick Gazer, who's who's the longest tenured coach, coaching him. He knows what he's doing. So it starts up front, and you you limit the run, you force them into the pass. It's the age old, that's all, that's all the age old equation. That's how you stop teams, you make them one dimensional. And NDSU's been so very, very good at it. And, you know, we saw this in Illinois State during that spring season when they had to basically forfeit and, and stop playing games. There's a lot of schools in the Valley up, up front. They might have four solid defensive linemen that are starters, but if one guy gets hurt, there's a pretty big drop-off. And with NDSU, they don't have to worry about getting guys 50 snaps a game because especially on that defensive line, they do kind of the hockey line rotations. And where do we see that? come into play and benefit the herd November. in the playoffs, November, December, January, where you've got guys that have a lot less tread on the tires. They're fresher. And you've, you've just got, you just, you, you really do what FBS teams typically do to FCS teams. You just wear them down. So we see a lot of those, you know, 14 to three kind of games at the half. And in the second half, that buys in depth, just takes over teams get beat up or tired or whatever. And NDSU, I mean, that's the formula. They've done it to win what nine FCS titles in the last 11 years. Mm-hmm. I think Dom Jones would start at any other team at safety. I think he's that good. The one spot they haven't rotated much over the years is linebacker. They've pretty much kept to the same three. Remember, uh, even in like 13, two, I mean, they kept the same. I don't think anybody saw more than 10 snaps all season outside of what Beck, Little John, and who else is on that team? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. the uh, uh, du- local DeLuca. kid. The, the, du- yeah, DeLuca, you're right, yeah. DeLuca. Yeah. And so, I, other, you know, so you have those same three guys, and they, and they kind of kept to that formula again to use that word well they use more guys this year Ants is threatening to he's threatening to use more more linebackers this year we'll see they haven't done that in the past no and and and, you know Luke Wirtz is a guy that came in really highly touted recruit had an offer from K-State and he's had some health issues and is this the year you know he and we've we've seen that too from you know you have Levi Jordheim or even, you know, I, I know Jackson Hankey was around for a few years, but a guy like Jordheim comes in. I don't think he really played much before his junior, senior season, but you get these upperclassmen that when they do get their opportunity, they tend to make the most of it. So, you know, looking at a guy like Wurst who came in so highly touted that, you know, maybe this is his opportunity now to finally be the guy. Yeah, maybe. I forgot about Grant Olson in 2013, too. So they had four guys I think they were using a lot. And uh, I, I think, you know, does Kayser is a lock at one spot, but do they want to use him every play? Yeah. Because, you know, he's not 225. He's, what, 210 or something, 215. Um, you know, in the middle, Jackson Hankey played pretty much every down yeah. last year. That guy that guy was omnipresent all the time. He was, he in- was kept – he was – glued together by the end of this season I, I cannot you know some fans say well you had an extra year you could have come back I, I we were kind of talking about it earlier the week at lunch when those guys get to be seniors no matter the sport those 5 a.m wake up calls and lifts get kind of old and it's just it's just time so the fact that that he didn't come back yeah Kayser six six foot 215 215 yeah, yeah. I mean you got you know you take a look at the the way that the the schedule sets up this year you know if you can get a bunch of guys a bunch of snaps early so by the time you get to you know, they got South Dakota in the conference opener on the 24th. Then it's, you know, Youngstown, Indiana State. You, you know, the Arizona game is an FBS opponent, so it's a different kind of animal. But that first, what looks like to be the first real big test, 
is that Dakota marker game on October 15th. Oh, I don't think so. I think the South Dakota game. South Dakota is going to be. Well, here's here's a thing that Arizona game is 10 p.m. Central. So the team will get back like 6 or 7 a.m. on Sunday. Then the following week, you got a bust of Vermillion. That's a lot of travel. Yeah. And South Dakota usually is much better at the beginning of the year, and then depth is their issue later yeah. in the year. And for the last five times the Bison have played the Coyotes has been either the second to the last game of the year or the last game of the year. So now they have them at the, at the outset. And the, and the Coyotes will be ready. That, that's a trap game. That's, and it's, it, they're catching. They, they, if, if you could say such a thing as you're catching if, the Bison if, if at the right Arizona, time. If they beat Arizona, that's a definite trap game. We'll come back here with the last segment of Heard It Here with Swanee and 7.40 a.m. The Fan brought to you. Big thanks to Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors and Wapaton. We don't have a game day predictions segment because there's no game later today, but we'll talk about maybe our season prediction next with Jeff Kolpak. Episode 1, Season 5 of Heard It Here with Swanee. I feel, Jeff, I'm almost doing a disservice because normally I'm much more animated, but there's no game to talk about, so I kind of feel like not having done radio since last January and another Bison Championship, that the, the training wheels and, and my lack of enthusiasm, just I don't think I've brought it this morning. Well, somebody as my, such as myself has been so snarky with you on Twitter. <laughs> I'm honored that you uh, extended the olive branch. Yeah, oh, we have first, fun. First show. We have fun. It's a good time doing it. you got to tell the listeners, uh, Jeff Kolpak, WDAY Foreign Communications, what do you guys, no one has the breadth, the breadth or depth of coverage you guys provide over there at Forum Communications. What are some of the things you guys are looking to do season number two for you guys on the TV side? Well, uh, we're going to have a pregame show again on WDY, and uh, that'll be 10 a.m. every game. The Arizona game, I think we're doing two, 10 a.m., and then we're going to come back and stream, I think, one at 9 at night or something, Central Time. And so we got that coming back. Uh, we, you know, Logan, Dom, and, and Kyle Emanuel, and so we'll have the same cast of characters. Obviously, uh, DAY is televising nine of the 11 games they can. They're not doing the opener. That's a Fox then there's the game of the week against uh, Western Illinois. Can't air that one. So uh, WDAY, it, it takes an army to, to air those games, believe me. And uh, You guys have long, those game days get long for you guys. Oh, yeah. Yep. And But that's cool. I like it. I mean, I, I love covering college football. So uh, long days uh, don't bother me at all. I, I love the adrenaline of college football and, and covering stuff like that. Uh, Dom and I have a video blog we do every Monday on inform.com, our stories, uh, we got stuff every day, um, you know. Um, Mike and I do columns from game days now, and and uh, so it, it's it's a variety of platforms. Our digital product is doing great. Uh, we appreciate all the readers out there, and and we're growing, uh, we're thriving. Much to the uh, predictions of, of others that that journalism is dead. No, we are alive and well, and 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 our, our newspaper. Our digital platform is is growing beyond, I think, what we ever expected. And the fact the fact that you've got such a great story to tell with North Dakota State. I mean, even oh, if, just for, you would think that at some documenting point, documenting history. Yeah, and it's whether it's the coaching changes, the new players, now the FBS talk, and certainly having an FBS game helps. Then that there was the new kind of wrinkle, the destination games. You know, the Bison got Eastern Washington at the bank. Talk about playing. There's talk of playing a game in Nashville as a destination thing. Stuff that you know when. You were doing this starting out in the 90s as, as a beat writer for North Dakota State, and I was ball boy. And if someone would have told us half this stuff, we would have said, Oh, yeah, absolutely not. No yeah, way. You gotta be, yeah, you got to be crazy. Uh, you know what they do well now? And Craig changed this in after the 3-8 and eight season of 2009. 
They recruit good kids, man. These, yeah. these are just good guys. When, when was the last time? Because there was a stretch there where, you know, as part of your job. Eight and nine. I was looking at recover, the police report yeah, all the time. When was the last time that I can't even remember? I don't the even last think time. about Maybe yeah. there's been a minor in possession. I don't know. But I, I used to look at the police report on a daily basis almost because that's the way they were just getting in trouble in, in 2008, 2009. And Craig changed it. He, he, he put an emphasis on, on being a good guy, character, and all those. You know, talk to the school janitor. You know, if the janitor thinks this guy's a, a jerk, they didn't recruit him. And so they put more of an emphasis on that. And uh, I don't even think about looking at a police report or blog. Or, I, it doesn't even enter my mind. Yeah, the, the fact that the team has been able to, to not just, you know, succeed on the field, but off the field. I think that's. I think that's. I think the last thing was the was the uh, what was it, the, the signature thing. Oh, for the petition gathering yeah, petition and stuff. Gathering, and that yeah. was boy, what was that? Ten ten years ago now. It was a Colorado State game. Yeah, but twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah twenty twelve. Season prediction. We don't have a game to do a game day prediction, but I mean, it's it's Frisco or bust for this team, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, just so much deeper, more talented than than the rest of the FCS. I think it's NDSU, South Dakota State. Montana, maybe Montana State. They lost a lot, but they got their quarterback back. And other than those four, can you tell me anybody? No, no. They're they're really. I mean, not not to say that they're bad teams, but I got I got three letters for you: F B S. Yes, that it, preaching the preaching to the choir. There, I'm 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 a hundred percent behind that. I think you know. Other than is this the year we finally see NDSU for South Dakota State in Frisco? For, maybe if they put it on, on the opposite bracket. side of the bracket, because I can, I can see. The committee not wanting to create that situation, so it'll depend on where they're slotted. But and that's that's the other thing where being in the same conference, one of those teams in mid October is going to take a loss. Yep. If you can get through the regular season with just a loss in the Missouri Valley, there's a really good shot you're going to be a one or two. In fact, in the NDSU, all their years as a one or a two seed, as a, as a two seed or a one, they had a, in, a, in a lot of those they had a loss on yeah. the docket, and, and and they forced the other team's hand. They, they NDSU as elevated this game so much that the other teams have been forced to invest and, and match them, which South Dakota State has. Montana, Montana State, I think, have, have elevated their programs in recent years. But everybody else, I mean, uh, my son's Minnesota Duluth baseball team played at Lindenwood last March. And, and uh, so I went down there and watched it and walked around the Lindenwood campus, which is new to FCS. Their stadium's smaller than Concordia. That's you know, where, that's and, where FCS and these, is and going. these are the teams yeah. are, that are coming in. in. University of Indianapolis – Announced it's going FCS. I'm going, who? Yeah. Who's who is this? Yeah. I was thinking, was this IUPUI? Is this a mistake? No, I looked it up. There's a University of Indianapolis. I didn't know that. I didn't I didn't either until until you mentioned it yeah. earlier. I didn't I didn't know. And they're know going that FCS. And well, that's it's it's a lot like this the the book we saw during the latter days of Division Two when all those really good schools started jumping up from D two. Same story. Same yeah. story. Now James Madison's gone, App State's gone, Georgia Southern's gone, Old Dominion, ODU is gone. It's it's it, that's Charlotte, Sam Houston Sam State, Houston, Jacksonville even Jacksonville State. State. There's a the the former you know you take a look at a playoff bracket from about ten years ago. And that's a great point. Yeah, about I would say four at least four or five of the teams that were consistently quarterfinals they're gone. Oh, those Georgia Southern games were those are, absolutely fabulous. And that's from a fan's perspective. That's kind of the one of the more frustrating things. We aren't going to see that again in FCS. We just won't. We've got the South Dakota State and they're the closest as as of anybody to match what NDSU has, but even is 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 ridiculous as is to say, our fans they don't they don't really get up for a Montana game. And it's a champ if it's a championship game of course like when we played Montana State but you know 10 13 15 years ago if the Bison are playing Montana that's a really really big deal 
it's not the same as playing a Georgia Southern no. or an App State, and 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 you, the the winning is has been great and everything, but it's it's time, man. I'm with you. This this program needs to jump FBS. Um, I think it's uh, you know it's uh, ge- ge- geography is not our friend, Swanee. No, it's just not our friend. No, unfortunately, for better or worse, you are right. But thank you again, Jeff Kolpak, Forum Communications, WDAY. You can find all their store, uh, stuff on inform.com. And if you want to see the, the shots Jeff is taking at me on Twitter, just beat me up. Where, where do folks find you on Twitter? Twitter is uh, Kolpak Inform. No, I think it's Kolpak at Inform, something like that. That sounds that sounds about yeah. right. Just, just I don't search, even know my own Twitter handle. Search, search Twitter for Jeff Kolpak, and, and you can see all about it. Make oh, sure I'm you sure t- you've got some stuff up your sleeve aimed at me. Oh, Pointing my way. Friday night at 11 o'clock. Check it out, folks. Next Friday night, I want to thank Twin Peaks, Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors. We'll see you next Saturday in the West Lots. Tune in to these stations from, well, station from 8 to 9 a.m., 7.40 a.m., The Fan. And remember that the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd. Uh.